0: Virtual Manager presents the How Did We Get Here podcast.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 21 of the How Did We Get Here podcast. In this edition, Chairman of Virtual Manager Anil Patel, CIO Neil Fillingham, CEO Tony Morocco and I are joined by a very special guest. Since leading England to victory in arguably the greatest Ashes series of all time in 2005, Captain Michael Vaughan has not just become one of the voices of the game in the commentary boxes around the world, but has also invested in and founded many businesses outside of the game. We've split the interview into two episodes. In part one, Michael discusses his roles within those ventures, his philosophies, and style of leadership. The other big thing that I used to always try and promote, and I still
0: promote it now, is I want people in in the businesses that I work for, doesn't matter whether you're the junior to the most experienced, I want them to be making decisions. And I want them to have responsibility to be able to make decisions. Why should the youngest member of the team
1: not have the best ideas. As will become evident, this episode was recorded the day after England's football team lost the final of the Euro 2021 Championships. I'm Charles Dagnall, and this is the 21st edition of the How Did We Get Here podcast. So hello. Welcome to the How Did We Get Here podcast, I'm Charles Dagnall, along with me as ever is Chairman of Virtual Manager Anil Patel, CIO Neil Fillingham and CEO Tony Morocco. We're very pleased that we have a very special guest on, he is a gentleman that has had a stellar international sporting career, he was captain of England in the cricketing fraternity and he managed to not only have a brilliant individual career with England and Yorkshire but also led England to to a very famous Ashes victory in 2005. A brilliant leader of men, but also, as well as going from playing to broadcasting, he's had a dabble into the business world as well, and it's that particular subject that we're going to grill him on over the next half hour or so. So firstly, welcome to the podcast, Michael Vaughan. Hi, guys. Hey, Mike. How are we all okay? We are marvellous. Now, let me just stress as well that two of the podcast members Anil and neil are cricket tragics so if they try and sort of blast you with cricketing questions just completely nullify it because they're <laughs> going to be wanting to know everything about the ashes in 05 and and england performances and stuff and we're, we're going to leave that for the moment because it's the business michael Vaughan, that we want today <laughs> not the football expert Definitely not the football expert yeah. because I remember you scoring a goal in a charity game, which has never stopped being talking about. And, <laughs> and you, you just go on and on and on about it. It was a good strike, to be fair. Firstly, let, let's go down the business route because from playing to broadcasting is a very natural transition. And it's one that you've done for a long time now. But in the business world, you actually have started investing in companies. You've also got your own company in Declaration Drinks. We'll come on to that in a, a little moment in time. But was it a conscious decision to actually start getting involved in business? What was how? What was the process that you wanted to actually get involved? Because actually, if you're sticking money into a into a project, that is quite a, a risk at the at the outset.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the word risk is is one that I'll always use. You know, whether it's Looking back at my my cricket in life, uh, leadership in, in in the game of cricket, captaining, you know I think it's managing risk which is important, and that's you know what I've tried to do. I, I'm not scared of number one making decisions. We all make decisions every single day. I, you know we all have to have that that moment. Is it a right decision? Is It wrong decision. I I don't worry about making mistakes, and that's the same in, in business. I, I don't worry about things going wrong. If I, if I see something I fancy or Uh, fancy getting involved in, or I research uh, opportunities, or opportunities come my way, I'm not scared of risk. and I'm not scared of losing either. Uh, It it doesn't worry me losing. I I get more concerned not going for a win. And that's the same in in, in sport. It's the same in business. I've always had an instinct in my life to look at what's going to happen in the future. Um, So I've never really had that, that feeling of being happy with what I've got now. And that goes back to when I was, you know, at school, you know, I've always tried to sell things. You know, I I was that kid at school that used to sell the fake Giorgio Armani jeans and the (laughs) denim shirts. I'd buy buy 20 off some kid off the street for a a couple of quid a shirt and, and try and sell them for 20 quid to my pals to make a bit of profit. That's, you know, what I've always tried to do. I was useless at it because I'd end up selling two or three and then get bored and move on to the next thing. And that's probably one of my, my weaknesses is, is not sticking with something for a long period. Uh, I've got better at that over the last few years of realizing that things take time. You can't always get a quick win. You know, it generally takes a lot of time to build up a, a brand, a business. That opportunity that looks so great that people say it's going to take three, six months to make you money generally doesn't. It always takes a lot longer than you think. And, and, and the experience that I've had and, uh, and I guess being a bit older and wiser, uh, I'm more realistic with that. But it's risk. And I'll go back to football last night. Those players did us proud. But the manager, he's been great. But they will regret not risking it more. They'll regret not going for it more. They'll regret not using some of those attacking players at 1-0 to try and blow the Italians away. That will live with them forever. And, you know, yes, they'll get another opportunity. Of course we'll, because they're young. But, you know, I, I always feel in sport, particularly English sport, You know, there's so many powerful countries around the world that will will improve and get better. We will get better, I'm sure, as well, but you have to grab the opportunity. And that's the same in my belief in businesses. You have to choose the right opportunities. You have to know when to go for it, uh, when to sit in. A lot of the businesses that I'm involved in have got to the stage now where we can sit in for a, a while and just, you know, let them play out for a period. At the start, we had to risk uh, and there'll come an element in time where we'll have to risk again to go for that exit strategy. Uh, and, and that's what it's about. So how do you
1: choose what business to go in for? Because you invested in the Manchester Hair Clinic for, mm. for hair replacement. You invested in Barrington Air uh, Taylor's. Were these ones that that had a calling to you that you had an interest in? Or no. do you actually invest in other things because you see an opportunity or a market for it?
0: No, I mean I mean the the hair stuff was, was purely a, a gamble. The the one thing that most people in the world have and will need is hair. <laughs> I don't have that much. No, but we, uh, don't worry, I'll, uh, Neil. I'll, I'll look after you. Don't worry, we do, do, do some quite nice deals. Um, you know, it's there are two kind of stories that came my way. The, the Barrington Air tailoring uh, uh, opportunity came years and years ago. Tom Wharton, who runs Barrington Air, he, he basically knocked on my door and he, he'd been shafted by his partner. He, he had a, a tailoring business on Savile Row, uh, his partner took it to New York and basically nicked the business. So Tom was left on his own and, and he came and knocked on my door. He knew a friend of mine, he was on his arse and he said, I, I, need, I need a bit of a lift. And I was being, at that time, op- opportunities to go and, and be the face of, you would not believe it, but the, the face of a couple of brands and I just liked the fact that he came and knocked on my door. Uh, and, and we did a deal, we shook hands and it's, it's gone from strength to strength, it's doing nicely. The hair was a similar story where the guy that runs MHR, Craig Henson, was at um, another hair transplant uh, procedure kind of uh, service clinic uh, and, and he got the sack and he, and he did them for wrongful dismissal. They got rid of him because he was actually too good. So he, he, he got moved out of the way by his employers uh, and he got a bit angry with that and knew that there was better products in the market that he could produce uh, and bring to, to, to a new business came and knocked on my door and said, and I was with the other company and I, I just went with him. I went, yeah, I'll come with you. Why not? You know, I, I liked him. Right. I, and I think in, in in anything that I've done, I look at where the world's going. So I, I, I invest in solar. Uh, I've invested in cashless companies because I know that I can see that the com- you know, the world that we're in, it's, it, it's going more towards that, particularly in these times with COVID, cashless is going to be everything going forward. Uh, but people, I, I just try and invest in people. I've never not got involved in a business that hasn't had good people you know i I generally you know just look at the person and people that come and present and and speak you know acting and and on behalf of your brand for me is very important how you act and how you portray and and work ethics you know those that have got the work ethic and the drive i always believe you know they might have periods where it goes a bit flat and a bit low and of course they'll they'll have difficulty times but you know, if you've got the right mentality and the right character, uh, I always believe character comes through. And it's the same in sport. I, I always used to back players who had character, and I'm no different in, in, in my business life. I just try and back people that have I've got that. Whatever that it, that it is, I don't know what it is, but you can just see it in a person. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but you can just see that they've got something. That's, uh, that's what I try and back. You're listening to the How Did We Get Here podcast, the story of virtual manager with chairman Anil Patel, CIO Neil Fillingham, CEO Tony Morocco,
1: and host Charles Dagnall. That, Anil, Neil and Tony, is something that resonates right the way through, I'm sure, with you guys within Virtual Manager. Yeah,
0: Absolutely. it's really interesting. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we talk a lot about our culture in the business and that we've been going over eight years and had obviously lots of people come and go and would be very interested in your perspective of you know some of the cultural challenges in cricket and how they transferred to business because we were always told in, in business that you can't have brilliant jerks of which we've had some amazing individuals but they just really were difficult to manage and rubbed a lot of people up the wrong way so we had to get rid of them but you see in sport that that can work so i'd be really interested in your, your experience on, on both sides and whether you can see it working well yeah yeah that that's uh, I, I guess i get asked the most about managing mavericks you know, how, do, how do you get the best out of that, <laughs> that that incredible, skilled, talented individual that sometimes not necessarily looks from the outside to to buy into what the team is about? Uh, and I would say that's that's nonsense, you know, because that individual would would and will be a team player, but it'll be in a different looking vision of, of someone else. The most in, important piece of advice I ever got was from my dad when I when I got the England, first and foremost when I got the England captaincy. I rang him up and, and, he's, and he's, <laughs> I said, Dad, I've got the England captains. And he went, fuck me, they must be struggling. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how it started out. But he, he said, right, I, I can't advise. Cause he was, a, he was a, a, you know, a, a third 11 cricket. He was, he was pretty much captain of the beer 11. I'm very social and loved it. Um, but he did say to me one thing that stuck me right from the start. He said, always remember to manage the person, not the player. So make sure you know who the individual is. Yeah. You know you'll be able to see the play. You'll know that the that you've got a right arm fast bowler, a right handed bat, left handed bat, spin, or whatever it may be. The, you won't be able to get the best out of that player unless you know the person. And it's the best advice. You know you can have all these books in your. You know the, the, I think Mike really did a a book on captaincy. I was, oh, you must have read. I've never read a book about cricket in captaincy ever. I've never read leadership books. I, I find a lot of them full of crap and i'm saying i've I've read i've not read them all but i've read bits and snippets and i just think it's just not real you know i think a lot of these kind of books that that get transcended into our lives it's not real you know reality for me is getting down and dirty with the people that you're managing who are you <laughs> what are you about as a person and that mm-hmm. that element of trust is very important because when you get to meet an individual for the first time i find it Almost impossible for you to find out who they are in one meeting, two. Meetings. It takes time to understand that person, and it takes time for them to understand who you are to be able to trust you in in private times. You know, because they're going to tell you things you would hope over times that will be private, and you have to keep that private. You know, but that's the kind of relationship I, I, I try to have with the players is to try and understand who they were, what they were about, what made them tick, what motivated them, why are they playing, why are you playing for England, what is it. You know, are, are you playing because you want to get 100 caps? You want to score 10,000 runs? You're playing for your family? You're playing to pay off your mortgage? Are uh, you just playing for cash? You know, what is that? And I didn't mind what the motivation was. I really didn't give two hoots. You know, and the players that I manage, I would say 60, 70% of them all had the same motivations. 30% of them had different motivations. and But that's fine. That's absolutely fine. It's also fine for me to be in a dressing room with, 15 to 20 people and I understand that there's no two people the same it's impossible to have two of the same people in the dressing room you might think they're Mm. the same you know but I want people to be them you know and and that's you know whether in business now or you know going back in cricket or in the country but I just want people to be themselves you know that's all you want and and, and then it's down to you as a, a skilled leader or you know the manager of the group to try and put those characters those mentalities in the right places in the business or in the team to make your organization be as successful as it possibly can be. And that, that, that's the hard bit. The hard bit is putting the right characters and the right mindsets and the right skill sets in the right zones. But the other big thing that I used to always try and you know, really promote and I still promote it now is I want people in, in the businesses that I work for, doesn't matter whether you're the junior to the most experienced, I want them to be making decisions. And I want them to have responsibility to be able to make decisions. And even if you're... So why why should the youngest member of the team not have the best ideas? You know, it's possible that the youngest element yeah. of any team could have the best ideas. You know, just that we've been around the blocks for a while and, you know, we we know a bit more and it's important to have that wealth of experience. But why don't you want to promote the fact that some kid could have the best ideas that drives your business or your team forward and that's the kind of environment I've always tried to create is very open and honest and not to just think that you know my team that I'm involved in it's only the senior core that can make the decisions you know I, I don't believe in that I believe it's a culture of creating everyone's involved everyone's got a chance and everyone's got a chance of, of being that person that can make a difference it doesn't matter who you are the thing that I found is the younger people because um, my side of the business, I, I handle the technical side to code and, and, and all the IT side of things. And what I find is that moves very quickly. So, you know, technology advances and, and really, really flies along. And as an older developer, and that you kind of get stuck in your ways. You're kind of like doing stuff as it was because you're kind of comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. And the younger people, they actually come along and they keep you honest. Like they're, they're putting forward, oh, we should do it this way using this tech or, or this approach sort of thing. And I was. You know, try and take that into account because I, I know I'm resistant to change. The older I get, the more I'm kind of stuck in my ways, sort of thing. So it's interesting that in sport, in your in, in your cricketing career, you took a, an approach where you valued all people's opinions, regardless of their experience. Well, it, it's, it's it made it interesting last night, you know, in, in the football, you've got three young kids taking the, the last three penalties. Yeah. And there's a small. I, I'm with Tony putting two players on with a minute to go just to take penalties. That can't be easy at all. Basically, on go and take a penalty. That that's not easy. But there's also a little bit of me thinking these kids who are so young, they have no fear. They they don't have the baggage of of failure. You know, they don't have all the the baggage of expectation of oh they just go and play. And you'd hope that'll be the case the next time round that they'll just do it again. They'll go again. They're not going to hide in teams in business. I believe you want a culture where you want everyone to stick their hands up when it's, when it's pressure time. Whatever that pressure time is, you want everyone to stick their hands up, I'm willing, I'm willing to have a go. Mm. And the more you can create that culture where failing is actually okay. You know, I think we, we, we live in a society, in a world where failing, uh, it seems to get so, um, I mean, it's always been negative. It's always been looked down upon, but mm. I believe failure is not putting yourself forward to, to try and succeed. And you know that if you're yeah. going to go for it, whether it's taking a penalty or making a big decision in business, make the decision. Have a go. Yeah. You know, because I think you'll regret it more if you don't create that opportunity or that culture yeah. for people
1: to be able to do that. Tony, what Michael says there about the handling of people and the responsibility and the responsibility of making decisions no matter where you are in the ladder of business. Again, this this is probably singing your song, isn't it? Yeah, it's music to my ears. That's exactly how we operate here, Michael. Everybody in our company has also been internally promoted. So we do look at people that contribute. We want them to make decisions. We want them to be leaders, not managers. We talk about that all the time. So you know, everyone has had a trajectory. If you, if you want more too, we'll give you more because there's, we're, we, we wear multiple hats. And uh, that's, that's absolutely music to my ears because some of the best ideas do come from someone that might not even have context in what we're doing in the situation, but they have a, another experience in their life. And it, if they don't get the shot or they don't have the platform to be able to offer those ideas, they'll mm-hmm. never come. We talked about your investment in other companies. Let's move on to Declaration Drinks because this is something that you've been much more hands-on with a drinks brand where you started with declaration gin you've just started to bring out uh, a rum as well again what was the decision making process to go into the beverage industry how did the idea come about and the processes from the start to where you are now i'll be totally honest we were pissed <laughs> <laughs>
0: That was uh, the, the the drinks brand is, is purely trying to develop a brand and, and trying to create something. It's uh, something that we basically made up in my kitchen. Two and when years you ago, say we, who's we? The, 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 there's two of us that, that started out. out. Um, friend of mine, Michael Hunter, was with Kellogg's for years and years and years globally, and he just finished with Kellogg's. He was in that space of not sure what he was going to do. He's now gone and got another big job, but. He was like, oh, come on, we need to do something. I said, yeah, let's think of something. We're big gin drinkers. I thought, you know, what's the easiest spirit to make now, sell tomorrow. Let's try and create a brand. We came up with quite a few ideas. We wanted to call it, we we, we own balls, like balls and tonic, and it was going to be a bit of a quirky, how do you like your balls, you know? (laughs) (laughs) It was going to be quite amusing, but... um, our, our better halves got got involved and thought, you know what, in the world that we're in, that that's going to be a bit risky. Uh, so they wanted us to have it <laughs> more, more more classy. So we came up with a declaration. Declaration stands for a lot in cricket. A lot, a lot, a lot's going on in the world. Uh, you know, declaring that we need to change, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, so we made a gin. We made it as good as we possibly could. It's organic. It's the best ethanol that we use. It's from Italy, which I, I, I'll keep quiet after last night. <laughs> Um, And then we started the story of declaration about using uh, botanicals from around the cricketing club where I've enjoyed playing the most, India, Australia, and obviously uh, Yorkshire. So that was the gin that came out before we knew it, it started to travel, started to get big listings in the likes of Selfridges in the UK, Fenix, uh, a lot of major hotels. And then we thought, why not do a rum? We've done a rum, similar story. We've got a cask, a Shiraz cask from Australia. Uh, whiskey cask from Yorkshire. I got a plantation cask from Barbados. So again, three prominent cricketing uh, areas, and that's that's here now. It's just here. The bottles have just arrived. So that's more of a fun element of, of my life. The drinks. It, it was something that started in the kitchen. Didn't ever think it was going to go that far. I thought we'd just you know, keep the girls busy. They kind of run the the business more than 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 I do. But it's fun, you know. I think sometimes in life. In my opinion, it's not all about trying to chase the big, big dollar. It's about trying to create things that's a little bit of fun. And, you know, our kids, not quite old enough to be drinking yet. They're on a year away, the eldest, and Michael's daughter as well. And it'd be something that they they probably take over, you know, and, and have some fun with over the next year or so. And we've got festivals booked, we've got wagons booked with our... You know, it's, it's a little bit of fun, but it, 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 again, it, from start to two years later... The risks that we've taken have been high risk at times because we, we've we got into an industry that's mass. You know, you, pretty much, I can't believe you four have not got a gin. Everyone else in the world seems to have got a gin. So, you know, we're, take, we're, we're taking on, you know, a massive market. But there is opportunities there. You know, if you, you create a brand, which we have, There's a small amount of interest already in the, in the brand as a whole. Uh, tequila's next. So get ready for the tequila. That's coming next year. I'm looking forward to that. Can you buy it in Australia? Not yet. Your, your duty is quite tricky at the minute. So I, I do believe there's a trade deal uh, that Boris has put together that might be helping us out. But as soon as we can and it's, you know, it's feasible in terms of the costs. Yeah,
1: we'll be uh, we'll be getting it down under, I'm pretty sure. But the thing is, it doesn't go from we've made a gin to it's been stocked in Selfridges and Fenix and places like that. What is, you don't just rock up to Mr. Selfridge and say, oh, I've got a gym, will you stock it? How, how does it, how does all of that process work? Because there's a lot of work that's gone in behind the scenes. I know that. And, and you've, you've taken us through that a little bit.
0: Yeah, I mean, that, that's, um, I'll be honest, the Selfridge connection, I think it came from LinkedIn. No, someone at Selfridges. Really? Yeah, LinkedIn, LinkedIn's linkedin been very good for the the, the drinks brand. It's, it's probably the safest of all the social channels for for opportunities to grow in, in terms of a drinks business. Because uh, there's so many mixologists on there that are willing to work and help you. You know, the one thing I say about the drinks game is there are a lot of people out there that genuinely want you to do well. You're not saving the planet. You're just providing a drink. And that's why we try. <laughs> 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 you know, and, the, and, and the gin is, a, you know, it's award winning. We've got gold stars. We've got, you know, two stars from the Great Taste, and they don't get given out unless your product's very, very good. So the brand's strong, the product is is, is excellent. And I guess it's a, you know, it's a, as I said, it's a very competitive industry. But if you get get it right in terms of brand and and the quality. You know, my, my belief is quality always shines through, whatever it is, whether it's sport, whether it's business, quality will always shine through. Uh, and then when you go through difficult times, I like in the last year, uh, quality will always stand out because all the ones that I guess aren't as, as, as strong or uh, the brands aren't as good or the, the actual juice isn't, isn't quite as good, they just go by the wayside, they disappear. And that, that's been the story in the last year. So we've come through a, a tricky period in terms of uh, obviously on trade, at restaurant bars, only just started to open. Uh, But online, I mean, I think most businesses that are selling any kind of product, we're all thankful to online and and how you can just click a finger now and a a bottle arrives pretty much on your doorstep. I mean, Amazon, uh, I I can't believe that we just don't have our own Amazon service here at this house. There seems to be a guy that lives here just dropping off boxes every (laughs) single day. (laughs) Different types of gin. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. actually being remember I, I gave him a bottle of gin for Christmas just because he was here that often I said you might as well take one
1: <laughs> so this is the end of part one with the former England cricket captain Michael Vaughan stay tuned for the second half of his interview with us in the next episode
0: Did we get here podcast with Anil Patel, Neil Fillingham and Tony Morocco was hosted by Charles Dagnall. This podcast is property of Virtual Manager, produced and edited by Daggers Media Limited.